So if it's just give me the numbers in the hiring, shame on you if that's all you're going to ask of your leaders. You, this is what I mean by you have to think about what is it that you want? Where are you? And how do you put together the pieces in a compelling way to get there? And you're going to have to bring your leaders along. So I'm pleased to be here today with Cynthia Hardy. She is the CEO and founder of Pivot Global Partners. And in addition to that, has recently released a book called Crossing Meridians, which as I understand, received a very good review from Kirkus. So uh, welcome and congratulations on that, Cynthia. Thank you, Josh. I appreciate you having me. It's a delight to join you and talk with you and your listeners. Yeah, great. Well, uh, why don't we jump right into it? So, um, you know, if you could provide some background to start uh, maybe about your business and kind of how you came to found it and how it relates and what sort of work you do in the insurance sector or insure tech sector or both. Sure. Well, uh, Pivot Global Partners, um, gosh, I started it in 2014. And uh, that was after a long career where I had, quite honestly, been the consumer of consulting services, professional services from shops large and small. And I began to, to think about those missing elements and how um, you could close the gap. And then underneath it, I started working on a methodology that is proprietary to us that got to those gaps. And we still use it today. It's design agility. And think about the concepts underlying design thinking, which is about being customer focused, and the concepts that are underlying agile technology, right? Scrums and runs and experiments. And, and they both address in a different way what I saw is missing. On the front end, typically um, the customer wasn't there. And often the work to address customer needs was a reaction to an issue or a problem. And I've always thought that you needed to move that orientation to the customer to understand their wants, their needs, what they'll pay for, what's important to them, and how that guides your work within a carrier, for instance. I always thought you needed to move that to the front and have that be your true north. So with that as kind of the bookends, what we do is pretty straightforward. We focus on the things that are wanted, needed by customers and that they'll pay for. In, in you know, having met you and, and read about Pivot, I like the way you, you know, uh, kind of use that concept in, in describing the type of work you do. And similarly, you know, you, you have this concept of uh, the meridian or crossing meridians. Uh, which is the title of your book. And so I thought that was a nice um, kind of metaphor or, um, you know, tool for explaining the leadership development uh, concepts in the book. So may maybe you could just give us a quick overview uh, about that. Sure. So Crossing Meridians is um, a passion project. I actually have had it on my list for about five years to do and boiled it down and understood that it's not just a method, but it's a mindset, and you have to have the marriage of both. So I try to start first with the leader, because this is the first in what will be a series of books. And it talks about the mindset that you need 
um, to move your own development forward. And it, nobody owns it, and it encourages you to do the hard work. It gives you a method of discovering and planning and acting and repeating and elements under each for how you go about doing that. And there's a workbook included in the book. So you can do your own planning around this. And I can tell you I'm delighted because I hear from readers and people will say, oh, I'm in the workbook right now. I'm kind of stuck on this and I'm thinking about this or that. Uh, Meridian is, is a line of longitude in when you think about navigation terms, running north, south. And typically it's the path that you're sailing on as you're circumnavigating. And it's the it's akin to the path that we're typically on in life, right? It's whatever we know, what's familiar, um, and we don't step off of that path. The same is true for leadership. The skills that we bring are the ones that typically we rely on and sometimes over-rely on. But to move to the next level, I, I put forward that you've got to step off of your meridian, that known path, and then cross to another meridian, which means you've got to learn through discomfort, you got to become a better leader because you put yourself in uncomfortable situations that will accelerate your learning. And that's where I show you how to do that. And I talk about crossing divides, which I think is so important because um, if all you do is surround yourself as a leader with people that think and act like you, that come from the same background, shame on you. Picking up on two areas, innovation and ESG, or even more specifically DEI, for a lot of organizations, they're initiatives, but they're, and they may be core initiatives, but they're not strategic initiatives, and they almost seem reactive. So we're going to put out a statement on George Floyd. Um, We want to go to plug and play, and we want to do three POCs by the end of the year. Um, From from a, a leadership point of view, and driving the business, you know, what does it take to, 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 to kind of get an organization to, um, you know, make this a strategy as opposed to a, a, a tactic or, or some sort of reactive response? And, and how does a leader drive that? So the leader has to have a pulse of the organization, number one. And sometimes the pulse of the organization is not going to be what you use to base your decision to move forward because the organization actually may not be where you need it to be. And DEI could be an example of that. So we often will talk with leaders and and I ask, have you gotten a pulse of your senior leaders? Yes. Majority of them are kind of milk toast about this. But in the end, if you're relying on that feedback as impetus for something big that you want to do and very committed, you don't have it. But the pulse read is important because it's going to tell you where you are and what your starting point is. As a leader, you've also got to have some conviction and you got to have some vision. And so you've got to really think about where you are. And this is hard because you're running the organization every day, but you got to lift your head up and you got to think about where the organization is going, how is it not just from a brand standpoint, but as an organization that is a living, breathing entity that's having impact in so many ways, what are the key things that you want to stand for? Yes, you have to deliver results. Absolutely. Or you're not going to be around. But what are you going to stand for and where are you going to hang your hat? And this is where a leader has to stop and develop some vision 
and be able to say, I can leverage this that we do incredibly well and then maybe 10x that with some vision. And I have seen leaders who have been moving uphill in an organization. Uh, and, and this certainly has happened in the DEI space in many instances over many, many years, um, wanting to make progress and and maybe feeling like they're on an island. So the, the question then becomes, if you know the pulse and you've got a vision and you've got conviction, how do you move the organization? Once you really understand what it is that you're working with and you understand where you want to go, and that's all about your strategy, then you got to break it down. Everything is not going to happen all at once overnight. So what's in your bullseye? What is most important for you to gain traction, to prove out, to build? And from that, you increase morale, you show momentum, and you start adding to it. And if you look at it that way, bullseye, next level and next level, then what happens is that you gain some organizational muscle around this and you have wins and you get traction that way. You've got to especially be able to have moved that conversation all the way down to your mid-level managers because they've got to live it and breathe it too. And that's often a disconnect, right? It's not percolating across in the fabric of the organization and the DNA. And then from there, what you've got to do is calibrate to understand what are you actually doing against what you thought would be occurring. And often organizations are on a tear to get stuff done, but they're not calibrating to see, am I on track? Is it occurring the way I thought? If it's different, that may not be bad. It may be that you've learned something really good and that maybe you should approach it differently. Um, but that learning cycle becomes really, really important. So I, I would say to you that those are the most important things when you think about the leader um, who takes on whether it's innovation or some of the things related to, say, DEI, that they've got to get a pulse read, they've got to have a vision, they've got to have some conviction, they've got to really think about the bullseye, how you create momentum along the way. And they've got to do that across high, wide, and deep in the organization and constantly do it. It's not a one-time thing that occurs episodically. It just doesn't. So what if someone said to you, well, you know, the, the, you know, the sales team, they've got their KPIs for what they've got to hit to bring in new business and customer attention. And, you know, in the claims area, they've got their metrics for how they how they have to manage claims and the IT folks, you know, they've got their metrics for, you know, uptime and all those sorts of things. So why not just, you know, put metrics in place for diversity hiring and, you know, measure people against that, bonus them against that, and, you know, you'll drive it through that way. I mean, what would your response be to something like that? Yeah, so, and we often have that conversation, right? So, um, because in the insurance industry, as you know, it's all about the numbers and people want, give me a goal and I can go after the goal. Well, I say, well, you know, you've had those goals actually for a while. Diversity hiring is something that many organizations have been doing for quite a while. And yet you're telling me that you still have challenges related to it. And why? Because you're looking at it only from the perspective of representation, which is important, right? Especially as you think about how it is that you're competing with a customer base that needs to have some reflection in, within your organization so that you're developing communications and products and services that line up with what your customers would expect. That's number one. But you also step back and um, 
you look at this and you say, you know, sometimes you have to, when I talk about learning through discomfort uh, with the book, this is an example. The easy way is to just give you a metric and then maybe you go off and you hire and we're done. The harder way in learning through discomfort is in addition to saying, for instance, that we have underrepresentation in some key areas, what I want you to do as a leader is I'm going to put you on the hook now for moving from a conversation about the numbers you're hiring to a conversation about inclusion and a conversation about equity, which means that we're going to reset some things so that we've got equitable outcomes. Now, in order for that to happen, I'm putting you in a very different place with very different accountability that I'm holding you accountable to as a leader. So that means that you've got to go deeper to understand root causes. That means that you've got to be more creative about solutions that are going to stick. And if you just take the question of representation and hiring, total success is not that you um, open your pipeline in your sourcing and that the numbers that you hired um, hit whatever goal. I'm going to hold a leader accountable to understanding what happened in the sourcing, what happened in the hiring process. So did I have a slate that was representative of the general population, a lot more aggressive? And by the way, following pathways for sourcing that maybe hadn't been followed before. Once I have an individual in the organization, what kind of onboarding did I do? What did I do when it came to mentoring when I came when it came to orienting them to the organization and having them really understand not just the mechanics of the job but how to navigate in the space what happens with having champions and having advocates so that when you're talking about promotions it's not a conversation that says oh we made some hires but those people left and there it was a retention issue but we no longer have a pipeline that's viable for these certain critical roles that are more senior why? Because you have been paying attention all along with some very critical interventions. That mean your succession planning is a whole lot more meaningful and your bench is deeper. So when that happens, you've got a continuum of work that happens all the time, over time, with a number of solutions. And that's the level of commitment you have to have from your leaders. So if it's just give me the numbers in the hiring, shame on you if that's all you're going to ask of your leaders. You, this is what I mean by you have to think about what is it that you want? Where are you? And how do you put together the pieces in a compelling way to get there? And you're going to have to bring your leaders along. And it's not just holding them accountable for a number. It's equipping them to know how to lead in a very different way. And you connect all of that back to why it's important. It's important because you're going you're gonna to get your socks clean by those who are able to go out and get greater market share from a changing population that's expecting you to be able to resonate with them in the various communities in which they exist. That is why. What about from a board leadership perspective? I mean, do, do boards have an obligation to kind of force their executive, maybe force is a strong word, push their executive management teams to you know, try to make these difficult crossings, you know, take on these immersions in the way you describe? They do. And how they do it, I think, is the art of being um, not just a board member, but a uh, effective board. And here's what I mean. 
you know, the board is not going to be operational, dropping down to run the organization every day. That's why you have the leaders in the organization. But from a governance standpoint, it is really important that they have a bead on the things that are external to the organization that can be important to the organization's success, on the things that they know, whether it's the disciplines, the kind of the talent, the processes, the transparency created around things. Those are the things that give people confidence in what the organization is doing and how they're doing it, whether it's investors or customers, you name it. So from that governance standpoint, what they're doing is so important here. And it isn't that you're beating people over the head, but you absolutely should be raising the questions and setting the expectation and inspecting what it is that you're expecting as a board. And so individual board members can bring a lot to that conversation. They're gonna bring tremendous experience um, a diversity of experience. They're going to have um, a lot of background that collectively, when you put it together, will allow board to be very robust in articulating, in helping the organization to understand that you just don't live and breathe and exist in isolation. Any board member should take it very seriously that they have a catalytic ability to make things happen very differently in an organization by asking the question, and the question is driven by their awareness of what's important. And then asking the question, that does mean that they're now going to get some answers and they get to see, okay, um, what is the capability within the organization? What's the level of awareness? What momentum do we have? Are there red flags here or not, right? These are the kinds of things they're going to see all the time. So I'm glad you asked this question because it um, sometimes isn't talked about and no, the board is not going to drop down and run the organization, but they are absolutely critical as catalysts in helping to bring attention and to drive accountability on some of these things. All right, great. Well, thanks for that. So, Cynthia, you've been you know super generous with your time, and thanks for what you shared. Uh, is there any anything else maybe I missed, or anything else you would like to share with the group uh, before we wrap up? Uh, I think that's it. I, I would say about half of our folks are steeped in insurance, you know, uh, probably over 300 years of experience collectively in insurance and about over 600 in business in general. And, and with that, what we bring is this blended view of what's needed from a people and process standpoint to be successful with DEI, to be successful in developing leaders and certainly around innovation. Um, so, uh, I would welcome a call if anyone wants to explore any of this with me. And my number is 404-980-3345. And then you can reach me at Cynthia at pivotglobal.com. And I hope you check out the book, Crossing Meridians. Uh, just Google my name, Cynthia Hardy, and it will come up. And uh, I'd love to hear from you if you do get it, on um, whether it helped you or not. So I thank you for inviting me to come, Josh. All right, great. Well, again, it's Cynthia Hardy, uh, founder and CEO at Pivot Global Partners and the author of, of Crossing Meridians, which I myself, uh, you know, took down off of Amazon uh, onto my Kindle without a problem. So uh, it is very easy to do, easy to find, and uh, definitely a good read. So uh, thanks again for being on, Cynthia, and uh, good luck. Thank you, Josh. I appreciate it.